I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. We can provide a lot for one another in those genuine relationships by just being there without judging, without criticizing, without having the need to interject our opinion and our two cents worth and just holding that space so that someone can figure out what they would like to do for themselves. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode, I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena, as you all know by now, and today I am joined again by my beautiful friend, Michelle Powell. Michelle and I are here to have one of our lengthy conversations on a topic that (laughs) we're both very passionate about. Today we're going to be discussing real relationships and genuine connections. So welcome, Michelle. It's always so awesome to have you on the show. Thank you, lovely. I always get excited to see where we end up taking this next conversation. Yeah, we've had some really interesting discussions, actually, haven't we? They're always well received, so... (laughs) That's so good. We'll keep them coming. Um, I'm just going to introduce you in case anyone who's listening doesn't know who you are, even though you're a seasoned guest nowadays. So Michelle Powell is a holistic health practitioner who specializes in trauma recovery. She's been a wellness professional since 2003 and is the author of three times Amazon bestseller, The Mastery of Wellness. Michelle takes people from their lowest to being genuinely happy. It's such an awesome thing that you do, Michelle. Oh, thanks, hon. Yeah, so today we're going to jump in and discuss relationships and genuine connections. We have alluded to this episode in previous episodes. I think the core values one was where it was originally birthed and we kind of went down the dating, personal development thing and thought, 
no, this is a whole episode in itself. So here we are. It's a few months later, but we've got our schedules aligned and we're both very excited to have this chat for you all to listen to. Yeah, and I think it's an important topic to go over with the whole real relationships concept because this is something that I discuss as like a container itself with all of my clients once we've moved out of the trauma status and into, you know, reconnecting with self and and it's something that we all genuinely want is we want those true connections whether it's in a love space and a friendship space and a work space as well so I think it's a pretty important topic especially to navigate as adults because (laughs) I don't know about you but it's a little different being a grown-up than it was when you were young with all of this Oh, you mean the dating world? <laughs> Just, yeah, that too, like the whole thing in general. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really interesting interpersonal relationships. They fascinate me. If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. Like we spoke about recently on our episode regarding the woo-woo side of what we do, it all comes back to that Maslow again and that love and belonging. You know, we all as humans crave love and belonging. It's how we survived when we were in the tribes. It's still in there. So it's making sure that we are having healthy relationships and that we're not tolerating any unhealthy behavior or allowing any unhealthy patterns in ourselves to develop just so that we do get that sense of love and belonging. Yeah. And I I think that's what we all crave, like not just on a primal need, but on, you know, it creates a quality of life when we have those relationships in our world where we can be fully ourselves, no matter how we show up in that moment and we're accepted, loved and appreciated for who we truly are. But with saying that, something that I've noticed both in my personal life and in my professional life, how the older we become, it's almost like all of the traumas, the difficulties and the challenges that we faced in life makes us really hesitant to let people in because of fear of the past repeating or anxieties or stresses that someone's going to hurt us the way somebody else has. And I think it's such a different world because what I was meaning when we were younger on a romantic standpoint, I remember for myself when I was with, you know, my long-term partner when I was young, we got together when we were 18 and it was as simple as, I like you, you like me, we're together, done, done deal. Like, whereas as an adult, it's like you're navigating all of these moving pieces and there's more, I don't like the term baggage, but there's more inner turmoil that we've got to navigate. And it's not even just in a romantic capacity, but I think it's also letting friendships in too, because maybe we've been uh, used or mistreated. And then there's such a massive element of trust and things that come up there, I feel. 
Yeah, definitely. And I know myself, and I've experienced this recently, especially since I have become single again, you know, we all have so many different roles to play in our lives. You know, I'm obviously a nurse, I'm a business owner, I'm a single mom, and I've got friendships who I can go months without seeing my good friend that lives just like five minutes down the road. You know, literally I can walk to her house in five minutes, but it's just because our lives are so busy. And, but I know she's there if I need her. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. But it's having those quality relationships in our lives. And I think as we get older too, we definitely want the quality over the quantity And like what you just said, you know that she's there for you, but there's also this understanding that life happens and we're all busy and we've got so much on our plate. And it's, I think that comes back into, you know, your core values as to what you prioritize, but then that can be interesting on a relationship standpoint too, because we can assume whether it's on a romantic space or on a friendship level that those people have the same values and will value you or value time or connection as much as you do. And we create these narratives in our head if it's not aligned or if they've got different values. Yeah, that's a really good point you make there because, you know, I know we're aligned, but it could be the case that I'm thinking, yeah, it's all cool, she knows where I am, whereas she's maybe thinking... Where's Elena? I haven't seen her for months. She's just ghosted me. Yeah. We're, like, I haven't. We're on the same page. So it's okay. But I understand where you're coming from. You know, yeah. that we do all have these different core values. Yeah. But I think that's where communication is so important in relationships, you know, because we do very easily go into those stories in our heads. And those stories, they're all based on, like you just were speaking about, Michelle, all those past experiences we've had. We're going to start creating stories and maybe project them out when actually it's not anywhere close to what is actually happening. And I know this tends to happen a lot um, between in friendships and in dating, I mean, yourself and I, we've recently been out there in the world of dating. So we have experienced what's going on out there. And I know I find myself when it comes to dating because you are it's such a vulnerable space you're putting yourself into. And I will go into the story in my head. And it is all just past. Um, what am I trying to say? It's all just based on past experience. Exactly. And I think it's understandable that we do that because as you've alluded to, we've had discussions about this and it's really true. We can try and liken in our mind something that we're going through as opposed to something we've experienced in the past. And it's like a self-preservation. But then with saying that, I find that that's a fault because then we're punishing people for what somebody else did. And if we put that into really simple terms, I mean, you've got multiple children. If you were to punish one child for what the other one did, that's ludicrous. 
but that's that's a really good way of looking at it actually yeah oh, I like that's that what we do we do that over and over and over again um, especially in a romantic space because and I think you hit the nail on the head with the key word there it's the most vulnerable you can be with any other human being yeah it is it's a real position of vulnerability and you can I think that's why we do for want of better use um, I'm going to use one of Brene's terms that's why we armor up you know we put on all this emotional armor because we have got these stories from our past and we do tend to we don't want to go back there they they've done studies I think there was a UCLA study done oh, a few years ago now where they got people to recall moments of intense emotional pain in an MRI scanner and it lights up the same parts of the brain as it does with physical pain. Yeah. Our brains cannot tell the difference between emotional and physical pain. And that is why we go into this protective mode when we do go into these vulnerable relationship situations. Exactly. And I think that's important to bring up because, you know, any uh, traumas or any difficulties that we've gone through in past relationships, they they impact us with moving forward. But something that I like to think about often in that regards is you're not the same person that you were back then when those things happened to you. Even if we just look at it from a scientific biological level on a cellular level you're not the same person you were back then so if you had known better you would have done better so I think there's a piece of compassion that we get to have for ourselves, and knowing that we've grown and the past can't repeat because you're not the same person so would you say that it's important to know what your emotional triggers are before you enter into any kind of new vulnerable relationship state? I think there's two points with that question because, yes, I think it's really important to know what is likely to trigger you because every person on the face of the planet has fears and insecurities and has gone through stuff. And so inevitably you're going to be triggered and being self-aware so that you can reflect and be like, okay, this is where this is coming up in me and it's showing me where I get to work on myself. I also think too that there's such a beautiful gift in a romantic capacity because nobody can be closer to you mentally, emotionally, physically than somebody on a romantic capacity. And so they, they say, whoever this elusive they are, <laughs> that your, however you want to call it, your soulmate, your partner, sacred union, whatever label works for you, they are the person that is going to not only love and accept you and be your teammate, et cetera, but they're also going to be the person that challenges you the most for your own evolution. So the person showing up in that space is going to help you grow if you're willing to allow that to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I actually think we've circled back to how this discussion 
actually first started way back months ago on the other episode. We were talking about how I think I said dating has been one of the biggest personal development tools I've experienced recently because it's really made me sit back and be self-aware and really look at myself and how I am behaving and where my boundaries are and how I'm very big on staying in alignment with my integrity and that need for love and connection with a romantic partner has seen me at times maybe step out of alignment with my own integrity and yeah I don't like how it feels and then I'll pull the plug but I should never have been exploring that avenue anyway because it's not in alignment with who I am so I think what I'm trying to get to here is we need to stay in our integrity and know where our boundaries are and what is and isn't acceptable to us, especially when it comes to the online dating space, because I've ex experienced some very interesting characters and had some, let's call them interesting photos sent to me. Anyone who's <laughs> been in this space will know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's where I think boundaries are crucial and being self-aware and knowing where your boundaries lie. Yes. I agree with some of it and disagree. And I'll explain my logic with this. So yeah, go for it. I, I mean, I fully agree that you want to know who you are and stay within your integrity. And I always say that you want to honor yourself, regardless of how anybody else shows up. You want to stay true to who you really are and how would you like to show up in the world? You get to choose the version of yourself that you want to be every day with every interaction. But I also think to boundaries and your own integrity and where you lie, that can constantly shift as you grow. And I think sometimes we set up so-called boundaries or red flags or deal breakers because of an idea that we've got in our head. But then when it's presented to us, we actually get to explore maybe are we playing safe somewhere or maybe it wasn't actually a boundary but it was a self-preservation. And or you get to find where you really sit so you can create real boundaries, you can have better communication and you can self-discover even more. So I think sometimes if our boundaries, as you put it, aren't challenged, then we don't actually get to find where we actually sit on our own spectrum. So would you say like what I was saying, what I'm getting back from you, and I love that we're having this discussion. Maybe I am projecting past experiences and that's where these boundaries are coming from. I'm Potentially, yeah. 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 So, and that's what you get to explore. You get to explore what's true for you because some of it might be genuine and legitimate, but other stuff might be your comfort zone and you playing safe or, you know, it might be an old fear or insecurity coming up. And, you know, even with some of the discussions that you and I've had off the air in relation to this, I've had some of my big stuff come to light with my own dating experiences, which has allowed me to unpack some of my own shit 
and look at it and go, ah, look where I was playing safe or look where I'd created something that I thought was a boundary, which actually had nothing to do with it, but was keeping me playing small as opposed to being the full expression of myself. Yeah. I like how you frame that keeping you small. Yeah. I think maybe that's, that's probably what a lot of us do. And I'm putting myself in that category because it is, I think it probably is a safety thing for me, especially. Yeah. Just from the past. And I obviously find myself back in this dating space after having been in a 16 year relationship with my my best friend, my husband, you know, we met when we were 20 and we still have a very good relationship, but we're divorced now. Um, and dating back in the year 2000 was very different. Like you said, it was, I like you, you like me, we're together. None of this, let's see how many people I can add to my Tinder profile and I'll just <laughs> chat to them all. And there's always another one around the corner nonsense, because I think that instantly puts you in that vulnerable space because you're thinking well how many other people are they having these conversations with you know it's this crazy um overstimulated society that we live in today that's yeah disposable mentality and I think that's where that pulls in what we're talking about right at the start about having those genuine, real, authentic relationships because nobody wants to be disposable. We've all had those sorts of relationships where it's just fair weather or it's, you know, what's convenient. And I think what we're craving is more depth because everything is so superficial and, so I feel that's where there's a bit of that hesitance with, like you said, taking that armor off and letting yourself be seen because you're like, oh, am I just another cog in the wheel or is this genuine? Yeah, and I think this whole swiping culture, it it dehumanizes. I don't know if it, it's, it's almost like, it objectifies as well, I think. Is that fair to say? It's just, it's a really bizarre concept. And I think it's one of these things that was started off in good faith and through its own evolution and the way it's kind of played out in society, it's become something that I don't think it was ever intended to be. And I do think that's correct. And I also think it comes down to the integrity of each individual because, you know, I think it's got its place. There's so many people that I know that met their partner online. Like it's the most common answer that I hear nowadays, you know, and many years ago it was definitely not that, but nowadays it seems to be the the general consensus because of how our life is, of how modern society is and how busy everyone's schedule is. So I, I think that it's definitely got its place and it's knowing what you want and knowing what you're worth and what you stand for so that you, you know, don't get sucked into those games 
and also having the confidence in yourself and knowing what you bring to the table so that when, because it's it's inevitable. It's no different to when you go out to the pub and you get hit on by a bunch of guys because, you know, that that always happens. It's a thing. And it's like, you know what, I'm not interested in any of that. Just go away. <laughs> so I think it's kind of like a, a same same sort of thing just on an online space now. And I think that's what I was alluding to earlier, that the knowing your worth. Yeah. When I was talking about boundaries, you know, knowing your worth, knowing what is and isn't acceptable to you and staying in alignment with that. It's, yeah. um, and being able to communicate that too, because I think the more we understand ourselves and what our intentions are and our expectations are of one another, that can be super helpful too. And even knowing, you know, going further, knowing things like, knowing your love languages, that's really important because there can be miscommunication just with that alone. Yeah, the love languages are an amazing tool when you're in any relationship. I mean, you can do them for your kids as well. You know, it's not just your significant other. Yeah, not even just in a romantic capacity. I'm actually going to use one of my best friends as an example here. Our love languages are totally different. Like my top two love languages is physical touch and quality time. So I need to be present with people, whereas her top two languages are acts of service and I think words of affirmation. We ended up having to have like these beautiful conversations because she didn't feel like I loved her or I valued her and vice versa. And then when we unpacked it, we're like, oh, my God, well, I'm giving you love this way. You're giving me love that way. We don't speak the same languages, so it's all getting lost in translation. And so since learning that, we shifted how we give love to one another and our friendship has just grown even more. So like you said, it's not just a romantic capacity that love languages helps. If any of you don't know what we're talking about, the love languages was defined or it's a model um, designed by Gary Chapman. And you can go on to the lovelanguages.com website and there is a questionnaire you can fill out and it will tell you what your top two love languages are. I encourage you all to do it because it's really insightful. And if you're in a relationship and you feel like you're maybe not being seen or heard or valued by your significant other, you could be, it could be as simple as knowing what each other's love languages are and just doing a few things to ensure those love language needs are being met. I mean, I know mine have changed over the years because I was introduced to this, oh gosh, a long, long time ago. And when I was married, it was interesting. Mine back then were words of affirmation and acts of service. They're very different now. I'm like you. I'm a quality time and physical touch person. But I think that's because I've been single for a few years. So obviously I was getting the quality time and the physical touch with my husband, but I felt like my acts of service and that words of affirmation were not being my needs for them were not being met. So they do ebb and flow and change. And 
it's something that's good to revisit, even if you have done it in the past. Exactly. And I have definitely revisited mine over the past few years because I used to have words of affirmation as one of my top two. And then that shifted and it was like, oh, actually, quality time's way more important to me. Um, so, yeah, they do change as you change throughout life as well. So it's definitely worth doing because you can dismantle any sort of miscommunication or any stories you can create in your head because it can be as simple as you misreading how each other is trying to give love because generally speaking most people give love the way they like to receive love which might not necessarily be the way that you perceive to be loved or seen or supported yeah, and that's where these stories can start to be created because oh, your needs are not being met. So, yeah, I'll put the link to the website in the show notes and there's books that accompany it to it. It's a, um, a really interesting it's a concept. Read. It's a good, it's helpful, definitely. Yeah, this conversation has gone a very interesting way. I'm loving this. <laughs> Don't <laughs> all of my conversations going. We're we're offering some really practical advice here. Well, I never even thought about the love languages before we started discussing this. That's an awesome point to bring up, Michelle. Thank you. It's pretty good. And I, I think it brings it back into your locus of control as well. Because from my standpoint anyway, I know for myself, I'm really good at going into over-analysis and into, like we were saying, those stories, those narratives and looking at things from our perspective and making out what that must mean for the other person. And I see this a lot, especially with women, because we have this ability where we see things very interwoven and interconnected, whereas I think men they see things as very separate and segregated. So, you know, work's over here, or relationships here, children are here, hobbies are there, and, you know, they're all in their own separate box. Whereas women, we see everything as interwoven and interconnected and this must mean something more. And, and I think um, our ability to connect everything can be a little bit of our undoing sometimes. Yeah, it's we're the, well, they say that we're the ultimate multitaskers, us women. And that maybe, yeah, it maybe trips us up when it comes to this. I know being the mum to two boys and my eldest now, he's, um, he's 12. And I'm starting to see it with him even because he is very black and white. You know, I'll make a joke sometimes and he'll look at me as if to say, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm joking, dude. And he's like, oh, okay, mum. But he's very literal, but I just, I don't know if that's just him and how his brain works, but it's definitely a little insight, I think, into how male minds do work living with two in the house. Yep. And I think once again, that can come back to that big word communication. And we talk about it so frequently in every capacity, but I actually think there's a bit of a fear around communicating our wants and needs when it comes to a romantic space in case it's perceived in a way that makes us appear weak or makes us appear as needy or, you know, something that's not favourable when nobody wants to be perceived as that. 
Yeah, it's that whole um, love and belonging again. And I think as women, and I don't want to overgeneralize and stereotype here, but like historically, going back generationally, women are used to being the ones who are doing all the giving. They're not so good at receiving and asking for their needs to be met. And I'm going, this is probably going down more the relationship route here, but there is this amazing author and I've been doing a lot of work this year on myself and reconnecting to my femininity because I'd realized I had gone very much into my masculine. And there's a woman called Mama Gina. And if any of you are like struggling with embracing your feminine side, I encourage you to look her up and explore some of her work because it has been really revolutionary for me. And it's allowed me to actually believe that I am worthy of receiving love and open myself up to that receiving because I had unknown to me moved so far into my masculine I'd shut that down. I love that you can share that that's really beautiful and I really resonate with what you're sharing too because of you know my own experiences coming out of my long-term relationship a couple years ago I inadvertently had really gone into my masculine as well. And it was almost more of a safety that because I know I'm strong, I know I'm confident, I know I'm resilient, you know, I'm, I'm a country girl that can handle anything. And it was much easier for me to sit on that giving than receiving And like yourself, I've been doing a lot of work on allowing that reciprocity into my life. But I even had this beautiful reminder of this for myself personally a couple weeks ago while I was on a a breathless retreat. And uh, during this retreat, there was... um, times when we were looking after one another and I was holding space for other participants. And at one point, two of the women wanted to hold space for me. And I actually found that really emotional because allowing, it wasn't even just allowing someone to look after me and support me, but it was allowing multiple people. They wanted to look after me. They wanted to give to me. And I was like, oh, and it, it makes you really, confront how challenging I think society has made it for, and I don't want to generalize again, but women have to wear these multiple hats. You know, we need to be the mother. We need to be the business owner. We need to be the worker. We need to, you know, do, 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 do masculine, masculine, masculine. But then on the flip side of that, there's that flowy, receiving, feminine, emotional, you know, the the creatures that were actually designed by nature to be. Yeah. And I want to just go back to something you just said about how society perceives women. And I recently heard um, a quote and it was, I'm a working mom, obviously, but society almost when we go into these external influences that influence our lives and and the um, 
projections that we pick up just from society and the media and that it's there's this huge pressure on women especially moms that they should mother like they don't work and they should work like they don't mother and I think I am in no way a feminist and I I agree with the feminine movement but I really think we need to find the the middle ground here because yet women should be in all these leadership roles. I mean, I see myself as a bit of a leader, but you've also got to remember that we are mothers as well a lot of the time and we have to balance work with that home life. And I think that's maybe one positive that's come out of COVID-19 that those of us who are able to work from home have found life a lot more flexible, especially the work life, because we can be a bit more present for our children. But then I don't know, we may be more distracted because we're thinking about work all the time. I don't know what the solution is to this, but I definitely resonate with the, the saying that women are often meant to work like they don't have children and mother like they don't work because that's exactly how I've felt over the past 12 years since I became a mom. Yeah. And and I think external pressures like that from society have pushed working women into these labels and roles. And then I think it's actually even not detrimental, but challenging for when it comes to trying to build romantic relationships. Because I know even for myself, um, men that I've dated, like there was a guy that I dated last year and one of his issues was that he found me intimidating, that I had too much of myself together, that I was too strong, that I had too much personality, blah, blah, blah. And I've had that multiple times that, you know, I'm, I'm a lot. And, yeah, I've got a big personality and all the rest of it. But, you know, it, it's interesting to have that sort of feedback that, you know, I'm intimidating and blah, blah, blah. And while I think there's an element that they get to reflect on themselves as to why they find a woman with, you know, uh, business aspirations and life aspirations and a big personality intimidating, it was also interesting for me to sit with too because I think women have created, and maybe I'm generalising here too, that they don't need a man, but they want a man. But I think there's a piece of men desiring that wanting to be needed as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think what I'm getting from what you're seeing is that women wanting to be independent, but they still want to be desired by a man. I think when we become too independent, it's because we're wanting to control and the control is coming from that masculine side. We've gone too far towards the masculine. It's about coming back towards the feminine. You know, the feminine is that very nurturing, that passionate, that creative, creative side of us. 
And there has to be a midpoint where you've got the two balanced. I mean, one thing that I've done, and those of you who are close to me and see me on a regular basis will know, since I reconnected with my femininity is I tend to wear dresses most days now because it makes me feel feminine. It puts me straight into that mindset that... I, and I don't know why, but it's just something that I have naturally done. I mean, I think over the last few months, I've bought something like 12 different dresses. Like I'm always wearing a dress because I think I had lived for years in jeans and a top. And I now it's almost like a, a signal to myself. Olena, remember to stay in your feminine and not go too far into your masculine. It's that It's that balance in the middle. And it's also... It's just to remind me to be open and remember that I am worthy of receiving love because this comes back to self-love and self-care here. And when we go too far into that masculine as women, sorry if there's any guys listening, I'm very feminine in this conversation. <laughs> um, we tend to, to shut that down and we forget. So it's remembering that we are these amazing, beautiful, sensual beings and we are worthy of being desired by someone and um, being loved. Exactly. And I think that's such a, a beautiful reminder. And I also love that you can decipher what I'm trying to say, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's super helpful. And, um, and I, I totally agree with you. You said that word control. And I think too, when we're in that masculine energy, that, that's totally what we're trying to do. We're trying to be in control because maybe we felt out of control or we felt like we've been taken advantage of before. So if we're strong and we're in control, then maybe we're not going to be hurt or because there's such that back to that vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable word. And um, I also love your story about the dresses and I actually second that motion too. I started doing that last summer and I'm like, why have I not been living in dresses my entire life? And so now as soon as the weather's gotten warmer, I, I live in, in dresses during summer, which is just, and you're right, I think it's that connection to flowy and surrendering the illusion of control and going with the flow, which is, like you said, that very feminine state of being. Yeah, even in the winter, I had dresses on with tights, but I wore them with cowboy boots. So it was still that element of masculinity. I was how still dedicated you are to it. That's the best. <laughs> It was still there, but it was. It was all very flowy, floaty. If you saw me, you know, like dress, cardigan, scarves, and then there's these cowboy boots I on mean, the bottom. So you can handle cold to, <laughs> to a degree others might not be able to. No, I'm in Perth. That's all you've got to remember. You know, even on a winter's day, it's probably mid-teens at the lowest. You know, where sure. we hover around about 20. So it's not really cold when you've grown up in Scotland it's not cold. <laughs> nothing's really cold <laughs> yeah so good I want to ask you a question too Elena so what do you find is really important for you with building and continuing to establish real relationships whether it's love or friendship 
I think it's it's coming back to communication again. You know, you have to be able to communicate your wants and needs, and it works both ways. Be able to pick up on other people's cues as well. You know, it's almost like that holding space, um, listening as if you're going to learn something. Don't listen just to reply. You know, because. I love that. You could pick up gold about how someone's feeling just by really listening to what they're saying. And I don't know if that's just because of what I do and I'm used to listening to clients and I'm always looking for cues, but I find it a really useful tool in my personal relationships as well. I love that. And to add on to the you know listening that you said there, there's a reason we've got two ears and one mouth. Yeah. So... I think that's really important and I love that. So it makes me curious to ask more questions about this communication piece because we keep coming back to communication is key. And while that's so true, when it comes to being open and honest and vulnerable potentially with our communication, why do we find it so tricky to have those conversations, do you think? I think it's going back to these past experiences and probably like on a personal level, I've unpacked this a, a bit with myself and this may resonate with some of the listeners and that as a child, I felt like I couldn't fully express what I wanted at times. And I think that then has but your childhood, the first seven years, your brain is in a hypnotic state. You know, you're open and receptive to everything that you're seeing, hearing, feeling. This is where the blueprint for the rest of your life is being built if you are not aware of what's going on later in life and where it's all stemming from. But like that's a whole conversation for another day. But I think, you know, it's that whole children should be seen and not heard. I was from, there was a bit of that going on when I was a child. And I think that's where a lot of I, what has held me back even over the years in expressing what I truly want. Mm -hmm. And I now look back and think, you know, life, it's good to be reflective, I think, because especially when I came out of my marriage, I realized that I probably, I mean, it, it didn't end badly or anything. We just grew apart, but it's almost like I feel like I participated in its demise by not expressing the full version of myself in that relationship. Yeah. And it's something that I am not willing to do again in the future. And it's a huge learning curve for me because um, and it's coming back to this femininity and why I have been exploring my feminine side because I'd realized, you know, I'd gone very much into my masculine and this has probably come as a result of the trauma I experienced losing my mom and my brother so tragically in my early years. I wanted to feel like I was in control. So I had kind of disconnected from that femininity and I was I didn't feel safe to ask for what I wanted, but it wasn't because I wasn't didn't feel safe with my husband. It was that whole, I'm making myself vulnerable and I'm losing control if I do ask for what I actually want. 
Does that make sense? It does. It, it does. And thank you for sharing that story. And I feel I, I understand what you're saying in my own personal life, not just professionally, but there's this fear of, you know, your wants and needs being rejected and it not actually being a, a safe space to be able to share in, in a real capacity. So I think it's not just learning to communicate better, but it's also learning to let go of some of those past experiences and to ask yourself, you know, who do I want to be? How do I want my ideal relationship to look like? So therefore, how would I show up in that moment? Which is much easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it's much easier said than done. But like I I often say, it's baby steps. You know, don't focus on the end goal because we're always evolving, we're always changing. And as long as you're striving towards that best version of yourself, just small steps at a time. Like what was the saying? Rome wasn't built in a day. So yeah. And it you takes know, real courage to show up, you know, even when it's tricky, even when it's vulnerable, even if your heart's on the line, you know, but I think that you're honoring yourself when you show up like that. And it doesn't actually matter so much as to what the external outcome is, but you showed up for you. And that's really powerful just in itself because then it builds self-trust. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's about self-love, self-care, self-compassion. And if anyone is out there and this is all making light bulbs go off in your head, a real a really good book actually to um unpack just taking off this emotional armor and getting into that vulnerable state is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Oh, anything I, sounds amazing. That alongside your love languages, if there's anything I can recommend you to read further on from listening to this episode, good. that would be the two books. Good choices. I love that. I feel like we've given lots of info and gone about this in lots of different directions that I don't think either one of us was expecting, but I do want to touch on one final thing before we conclude today. And my thoughts on this are having safe, loving, supporting people that you can honestly share yourself with in a non-judgmental way. And I know we've spoken in the past about how sometimes when we give our opinions and our advice, we can already feel judged. But sometimes I think when we have friendships where we can just unpack and you don't even have to say anything, but you're just holding loving space for one another, it can help people just figure things out for themselves. And the, the reason I feel this is important to bring up here is I've got a couple friends that um, come to mind here. And, and sometimes when we talk, we don't actually even need the other person to respond, but just sit with us and we can figure things out in our own head as we're articulating it out aloud as to what we want to do. And I think 
we can provide a lot for one another in those genuine relationships by just being there without judging, without criticizing, without having the need to interject our opinion and our two cents worth and just holding that space so that someone can figure out what they would like to do for themselves. Yeah, I think it all comes back to that finding your tribe and surrounding yourself with people who are positive influences in your life and who are going to lift you up and you know that they've they've got your back. I mean, you summed it up beautifully at the start where you said, you know, friendships should be quality over quantity. I think in our younger years, we do tend to try and be social butterflies and gather lots of friends. And that's just life experience. But as you get older, you do realize that a few quality friends are much better than a whole heap of ones who are you're not really sure where you stand with them or you feel you need to fit into their box in, in order to fit in with their crew, if that's what you, if that makes sense. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, the, the people that accept you for who you are and that you can grow with and that just love you in that unconditional way, just however you are in that moment. So those genuine, real relationships yeah I think we've gone full circle there and closed that off beautifully so tell us where we can find you Michelle I'll put your links in the show notes as always yeah perfect so you can find me on my website themichellepowell.com.au I'm also on all of the normal social media places Facebook Insta YouTube LinkedIn all under the Michelle Powell as well Um, there's also a little free article for your listeners as always Elena and that link will be in the show notes for everyone too thank you so much and thank you for jumping on today I've thoroughly loved having this discussion with you it's gone off on some unexpected tangents but I think everything we've covered has been relevant and I hope everyone listening has got some key takeaway points from it I'd love to know what your takeaways are and pop them in the comments underneath the show and let me know. Yeah. I think that'd be really awesome to hear from everyone what they took away as well, because I think, you know, relationships are such a pivotal pieces of our life that when we're wanting those deeper, more fulfilling relationships, it allows us to ponder all sorts of things. So I would love to hear how it impacted people us having this discussion today. Yeah, me too. We look forward to hearing from you all. Well, thank you, Michelle. Until the next time, I will say goodbye. Look forward to next time. Me too. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter 
to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.